I want to welcome everybody that's uh, here at the Eden Campus. Thank y'all for coming today. And I want to welcome everybody at our River Campus. For a lot of you that don't know, we have two campuses, and they're uh, tuning in, and I see y'all. Thank y'all for being at the River Campus. The River Campus had their very first uh, ladies' night out Friday night, had 25 ladies for the first night. That's a big deal, y'all. So praise the Lord for that. God is good. And I, I just want to brag on them. Man, they're faithful. They're, they're growing, and thank the Lord for that. And I, I want to welcome the, uh, the River Campus today. And all those that are watching online, man, we have a lot of people that tune in and watch online, and we want to thank you for that. Uh, thank you for tuning in and watching online, and those that listen by radio, man, it's amazing how many people uh, listen by radio, and, and we just want to welcome you as our family as well. God is so good. Uh, we're about to do something, y'all, so are y'all ready? Say amen. I'm going to stop right now and do a little commercial. I don't normally do that, uh, but I am so jazzed about what we're about to do that I want to go ahead and do a commercial for you uh, to tell you where we're going next Sunday. Because this Sunday, we're wrapping up a teaching series that I've been doing, and next Sunday, we're going to open up a whole nother uh, series that I want y'all to be at. So, so let's roll the film, guys, and show them this. So here we go. We are so looking forward to the new teaching series, Making Marvelous Marriages, which is going to be during the whole month of February. So please invite all your couple friends to join us. We can't wait until February for the segment on Making Marvelous Marriages. You just got to be there. We're going to see you this Sunday for Making Marvelous Marriages. We can't wait. So don't miss it. See that guy? He's serious, y'all. That that. Hey, we're about to start a new series next Sunday, y'all. Y'all know what the net title of it is? Y'all already know by now. What's it called, guys? Making marvelous marriages. Everybody say that together. Y'all ready? Making mar marvelous marriages. We're gonna do that in the month of February. I'm so jazzed about that. Uh, we're gonna change the stage. Everything's gonna change. We're gonna have a ball, y'all. And I know what some of y'all are thinking. Man, we been. You know, I ain't even got a husband. I ain't even got a wife. Well, if you come to that, you might find you one. So, so, so we want to make sure that we get you connected, guys. Uh, it'll be a blessing. And I know, uh, you know, Denise and I have been married 43 years, believe it or not. Uh, but, uh, you know, you've been married a long time, and, and you, you know, you've had a life together. Let me tell you something. If you've got a good marriage, it can get it even gooder, right? And, and you can be enriched by this. So what I want y'all to do, y'all got to do me a favor, guys. Uh, y'all got to show up and bring your friends, and this is what I tell everybody. You know, when I'm trying to get people to come to church and, you know, kind of hang out with us, uh, I tell them, why don't you come three services? If you don't like it, don't come back. And once they come in, they go, wow, that was great. And so uh, this time, we're not going to say three services. We're going to say, you got to come to four, okay? So we're going to take the month of uh, February, and we're going to dive in starting next Sunday, Brother Randy. It's going to be so much fun. We're going to learn so much together. And uh, the title of that series, I forgot it. Good night. It left my mind. Somebody tell me. I was just checking to see if y'all was listening because uh, it's called Making Marvelous Marriages, y'all. So y'all invite all your friends to come and be a part of that. It's going to be a blessing. We're going to have a great time. We're going to learn a lot. And we're going to use the Word of God to, to teach us how to enrich our marriages. And I believe that you'll be blessed. Can you believe that this is the fourth message in the sermon series that I've been teaching called The Mystery of Contentment? And for the last few Sundays, the last three Sundays, we've been 
trying to figure that out. How do you find contentment in your life? If you're like most people, that's exactly what you're looking for. You want to find a place in your life where you can find that peace and, and, and that place in your life where you go, man, I'm content, but yet, at the same time, so many people do not know how to find contentment. And so the first Sunday uh, that we got together, y'all may want to take your, your pens out and write this down. The first Sunday we talked about how do you find contentment in Christ? And we discussed that. And that was sermon number one, how to be content in Christ. Because if you're living your life outside of Jesus, I promise you, you will never be content. So that's the first step. You've got to find your contentment, not in the world, not in the things of the world, but you've got to find your contentment in Christ. And then the second sermon we talked about was learning to be content. The great apostle Paul, writing in the book of Philippians, said, I've learned to be content. In other words, when we're born in this world, we're not content. Uh, we, you know, we don't come into this world going, I got it figured out. How many of y'all know contentment is a learned discipline uh, that you got to learn along the journey of life? And so we talked about that the second Sunday. And, and then last Sunday was a hit, man. We talked about how can you be content in the valley? You know, when life is unraveled, when you're going through the hard time, when you don't know what to do next, when you're struggling, when, when you're battling, when everything seems to find apart, fall apart, you might know what I'm talking about. Sometimes your life is hard. Can I get an amen? And, and sometimes we find ourselves walking through the valley, and we talked about that last Sunday. How can you be content when your life is unraveled? How can you be content when it's hard? How can you be content when you're required to walk through the valley. And we discussed that. But today, I'd like for you to pay close attention today. Are you with me? Say amen. Uh, this, this is kind of weird, y'all. Uh, on this message today, it's kind of weird. It's a weird thing to say, but I think you will understand. It seems to me, just for me, it seems to me like it's easy for people to be content when they're in the valley. It seems to me like uh, we, we don't have much when we're struggling and we're going through hard times. It seems almost as if it's, it's a natural thing to trust God during those times. You know, when you're going through the hard time, most of us, uh, when we're going through the dark valleys of life, when we're struggling, that's when we get close to God. And we, we, we say, God, uh, you know what, I'm, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to love you, and I'm going to surrender to you, and I'm going to obey you, and I, uh, whatever I have to do, God, if you'll just help me get out of this tough spot I'm in. And it seems like that most people are, are, are trying to find contentment in the valley, and, and it's almost as if it's in the valley that the valley draws us to a deeper walk with God. It's almost as if when the night comes, and we're struggling that we're going, God, i got to trust you more. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But, but today, here's the question. How about when you're doing good? How about when you're prospering? How about when everything is going your way? For example, our church does a lot of work in the land of Haiti, a third world country. And man, they're so poor, they don't have a lot. But yet, when I go to Haiti, they seem to be content. They don't have what we got. Would you agree with me that America is spoiled? Are we spoiled, y'all? And we've been blessed with so much. I go to the third world country to speak crusades and preach there. And man, I, I go there and they're, they're, they're hungry for the word of God. Good night. Last time I was there, uh, I was preaching a crusade and it was coming like a, like a, like a storm. And, and they don't have any windows in their church. And the rain was just coming down in sheets and the wind was blowing. And man, I was thinking, man, the roof's about to be taken off this place. And they, they, there was hundreds of people there. I mean, it was packed there. People were 
outside. And the wind began to blow and the rain began to come and the, the wind would just blow the rain all the way through the building. I mean, everybody in there was packed like sardines and everybody in there was getting wet. And right in the middle of that rainstorm, while everybody was getting wet, those Haitian people just stood up and started singing to God. Man, they were just singing and praising God. And I was going, whoa, that's strange. Because you know what would have happened in America? First of all, people would have said, it's raining, I'm not going to go to church. But man, if we'd have started that, we'd have bailed out so quickly. But not them, man. They stood up and started praising God and singing. And man, it was amazing. Man, the hair stood up on my head. I know y'all thinking you ain't got no hair. But man, it was exciting to see that. And, and so, you know, we're living in a world today that, <clears throat> that, that when we look at contentment, many people who have been blessed with so much only to forget where their blessings come from. And I think we've been guilty of that. So take your Bible, if you would, and open it up to the book of Luke. We're going to be journeying there today. Are y'all ready? Say amen. Uh, we're going to be journeying there today, and we're going to be studying under the sermon title, How to Be Content in the Favor of God. How can you be content when everything is going good, when you're being blessed of the Lord? So go ahead and open your Bible uh, to the book of Luke. And we're going to be looking there in just a moment. We're living in a world that desires to be rich. They desire to be prosperous. Everywhere you look, people are going, man, if you'll get our product, you'll be happy. If you'll order this, you'll be fulfilled. If you'll get this house, you'll be content. If you get this car, you'll be all right. If you order this makeup, you'll be young and happy. If you uh, go on this diet, everything will be good for you. Can I get an amen? And we're living in a world today where people want to be prosperous and they want to be rich. People want to get rich quick. Uh, they want to get rich quick, like they want to wake up tomorrow and win the lottery and go, man, I'm rich and I got all this. And people want to be millionaires and filled up with good things, a good life, and everybody's looking for their ship to come in, you know? Everybody's looking for the ship to roll in the harbor. I heard someone say the other day, Brother Jack, if my ship comes in, I'll probably be the guy at the airport. I'll miss the ship, right? So, so I'm kind of like that myself. But I do want you to know my ship may have just arrived, y'all. I just want to let y'all in on this. My ship might have come in. This week, I, I'd already prepared for the message. And, and, and this week, man, I was jazzed up about doing this. And I was thinking about the favor of God and the blessing of God. And you won't believe what I'm about to tell you. I got a letter addressed to me personally about my ship coming in. So I wanted to read it to you so you would understand this, all right? So this is a letter that came to me this week in the mail addressed to me. Nobody else can put their hand on it. It's mine, all right? So y'all can't have it. Uh, this is what it says. Attention, Jackie Cannell. My name is so-and-so, a private financial advisor. Actually, I got your contact information from your country's public archive while searching for a last name homogeneous uh, to my late client's name, so-and-so. Got the same last name I got. A business uh, leader who lived in Spain for over 21 years. He died along with his family in a great earthquake in China which occurred May the 12th, 2008 while on their visit to China. So he was, this guy went to China and while he was there an earthquake came and he died in the earthquake. Uh, however, the circumstances and the urgency of this claim have prone me to send you this unsolicited correspondence which I humbly apologize. Before the catastrophe, are y'all leaning in yet? Y'all with me? He deposited it in a safety deposit box containing the sum, y'all going to have to sit down for this one, of $4.7 million. All right, the guy died. 
with a safe security company here in Spain. Because of security and personal reasons, he did not disclose the exact content of the safety, uh, the, 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 the treasure in the safety deposit box. But it's been a financial, being a financial consultant to the late whoever this was, the security company has mandated me to present a member of his family to make claims or the vault will be confiscated and taken to the Bureau of Diplomatic Security as unclaimed. After abortive efforts searching for a direct family member and came to no avail, I was given an ultimatum to look for some relative to put up a claim or have the vault liquidated and made unserviceable in accordance with the existing vault security laws. Against this backdrop, Mr. Connell, I do suggest you are the heir. I know you may not be any way related to my late client, but having a common surname with him that is in place, I can guarantee you that if you follow my instructions, the rules of the law, the vault will be released. Are y'all ready for this? To us. Where did us come into this? All right, so here we go. Mind you, this transaction is 100% risk-free. There is no atom of risk connected to this business as I've worked out all the, all the details to complete the operation effectively. Once the vault is released to you, we will divide the content in a ratio of 50-50, you and me. That means you'll receive $2.3 million. Are y'all looking at me? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Lastly, owing the sensitivity of this uh, situation, I urge you to keep this very confidential and not share it. Uh, thanks for your time, and I'm expecting your response. Can I tell you all this? Look, when I read this letter out loud publicly, guess what just happened to Brother Jackie? I just got a whole lot of new friends, y'all. Because how many of y'all know when you get money, man, people kind of jazz to you guys. I, I know that y'all know this already. Are y'all ready for this? Y'all already know this. Y'all already know that's bogus, right? Because you get that kind of stuff, and man, that's what people are, are leveraging their life on. Like, man, I just got, man, I just got, I'm a millionaire, Brother Benny. Can you imagine that? My daughter's up there. No, I'm not leaving it to you. It's mine. It's all mine. But, but listen, guys, uh, what about in your blessing? Can you be okay when God blesses you? Uh, what about when you're living on the mountaintop? What about when you're in the high tide of life? Listen, write this down. Do you forget God? When you're living on the mountaintop and everything is going good for you, do you forget God? Here's another question. Can God trust you? Can God bless you and trust you with the blessings? If God is going to give you favor and blessings on your life, can he bless you with what he prospers you with? Now, now when I thought about that, when God opens the windows of heaven and rains down showers of blessings, are you a good steward of that favor of God? A lot of people don't know how to manage their blessings. A lot of churches don't know how to manage their blessings. When you look at blessings on your life and the favor of God, for some people, blessings change them not for the good but for the, for the worse. When they start being blessed, they forget God. When they start being blessed, they don't know how to invest in kingdom. When they start being blessed, they, they call it themselves. I don't normally do this, but I do want to do this today. I want you to write something down for me that's not in your outline. Do you know David Green? 
Does anybody in here know who David Green is? David Green is, a, is the founder and owner of Hobby Lobby. Okay, David Green is a phenomenal, he's rich, guys. A guy's got money out the gazoo. He supports ministry all over the world. But David Green is the owner and the founder of Hobby Lobby. And he's just written a book uh, that, I just, that I just bought, and I'm reading it, and I suggest you get it and read it as well. You may want to write the title of it down. The title of it is Giving It All Away. In other words, David Green is saying, man, God blesses me, and the more I give away, the more God blesses me. And David Green has built his empire, his financial empire, not on keeping money, but giving it away to the kingdom. Giving it away and investing it. I challenge you to get that book and read it if you don't have it already. David Green, title of the book, Giving It All Away. Now, if you take your Bible and open it up to the book of Luke, you'll begin to recognize and realize that Jesus is here. And he's talking about how that we are to steward our lives. How that we are to do it right. How that we're to handle the blessing of God. And if you'll notice there in verse number 13, and one of the company said to, the master, to him, Master, speak to my brother that he will divide the inheritance with me. So obviously he's got an inheritance. He's got something that he's been blessed with. And Jesus said to him, Who has made me a judge or a divider over you? In other words, I'm not, I'm not the lawyer. I'm, I'm the Savior. And he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness. Now, underline that in your Bible. He's giving a warning. Here's a guy that's got some stuff that he's been blessed with, but he's trying to sustain his life with stuff. And Jesus is saying, man, if you listen, underline this in your Bible, you've got to beware of covetousness. Covetousness, write this down, is a condition of the heart. That's where covetousness is. It's in the heart. And Jesus says this, for a man's life consists not in the abundance of things which he possesses. In other words, obviously, Jesus is trying to warn the guy, listen, your life is not summed up by the stuff that you've got. In other words, you're not successful. You're not a success or a failure by your things. That's not what, this, that's not what defines you. Jesus says your life does not consist in all that. There's more to life than that. There's more to life than stuff and things. And then it says he spake a parable to them saying, the, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plenty. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow all my fruits, my, my stuff. And he says, This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pull down my barns, and I'm going to build greater barns. And there I will bestow all my fruit and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, So, you've got a lot of goods laid up for many years. You need to take it easy. You need to eat, drink, and be merry. In other words, man, I'm set for life. I've got this thing going on. I've got retirement set up. Uh, man, I'm just going to kind of chill out a little bit. I, I've set myself up for, for success. And then the Bible says, but God. Everybody say that with me. But God in the next verse, verse number 20. But God said to him, you fool, tonight your soul is going to be required of you. And then, who shall all these things be which you have provided? In other words, you're going to die tonight, and guess what's going to happen? Uh, they're going to be lining up to fight over your junk. And your kids are going to line up, people's going to line up, and they're going to, you know, they're going to go through your stuff, and then what they don't want, they're going to sell it at a yard sale, and then they're going to give it to uh, the Hannah home or whatever, and then people like are going to go buy it, and they're going to pay a little bit for what you, you have left. In other words, your stuff's going to be liquidated. 
And Jesus says, so is he that lays treasure for himself. He's not rich toward God. And the Bible says, not that I speak in, and we'll look at that scripture in just a moment. But you begin to realize that Jesus is giving us something, guys, we need to think about. Jesus is saying, you know what, what about when you get blessed? What about when you get stuff? What about when your ship comes in? What about when your business is prospering? What about all this stuff? How in the world are you going to live your life when everything's going good on the mountaintop, when you're being blessed? And I have found in my life that a lot of people mess it up. A lot of people don't know how to walk in the favor and blessing of God. A lot of people don't understand that when you're being blessed, you're on a dangerous place if you don't know how to steward the blessing. So, so today, in closing up uh, the series, I wanted to teach you that. Now, you remember in the book of Philippians, the great apostle Paul says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatever state I am, that's what's going to be what? Again. In other words, if I'm in the valley, I'm good. If I'm on the mountaintop, I'm good. If I'm going through hard times, I'm good. If I'm going through good times, I'm good. If the sun is out in my life, I'm good. If it's raining in my life, if a storm's out, I'm either way, I've learned to be content. In other words, I have found, are you listening to me? I found my point of balance. My point of balance is not the valley. My point of balance is not the mountaintop. I've learned in whatever state I am to be content because Paul is addressing them and going, you know what? The pivot point of my life is not the stuff that I have. It's not whether I have this or have that. The pivot point of my life is Jesus Christ. And when I got Jesus, I'm okay. Can I get an amen? No matter whether you're going through the valley or on the mountaintop, doesn't matter. So we realize then that a lot of people don't know how to make it through the good times. A lot of people mess it up. And guys, I'm going to tell you, all of y'all young people listening and learning, listen to me. Teenagers, young adults, listen to me. Your world is cramping you. Man, they're saying you got to have this, you got to have that. You're, you're working like crazy to get ahead. I get all that. But guys, I'm going to tell you, well, you got to realize that when you get where you want to go and you're on that mountaintop, you got, you're in a place, you better listen to Brother Jackie. Because I'm going to give you 10 things that you don't ever need to forget about that. So are y'all ready? Say amen. All right, now I'm going to give it to you. Ready? When you're on the mountaintop, you got to be a good steward of life and its blessings. You've got to be a good steward. The word steward is manager. You've got to manage your, your life and your blessings. They go hand in hand. You, you know, you don't ever want stuff to own you. You want to own the stuff. You don't need to let your stuff dictate your life. That, that's not what regulates you. What regulates you is not your things. It's not about things. It's about a relationship with Christ. And if you don't know how to manage the good times and you don't know how to steward life, you're going to mess it up. And you're going to mess up your blessing if you open your Bible to the book of Luke right where we were. The Bible says in Luke chapter 12 and verse number 41, Then Peter spake unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us or even all? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household and to give them their portion of meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he comes, shall find him doing. Of a truth I say unto you that he will make him ruler over all that is that he has. But if that servant say in his heart, my Lord delays his coming, and shall begin to beat the men servants and maid servants, and to eat and to drink and to be drunken, then the Lord of that servant will come in a day, and when he looks not for him, 
and has an hour when he's not aware and will do what, y'all? He will cut him asunder and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant, which the Lord knew, that knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. You know what that's called? It's called spiritual discipline. But he that kneweth not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomever much is given, say it with me, of him much will be required. And to him men have committed much, of him they also shall ask the same. In other words, if God is blessing you, there is a responsibility to the blessing. If God is going to bless you with much, then you're going to be responsible for much. Uh, people say, you know, the Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. Can I get an amen? And people say, this is what people do. They go, man, God, I want you to bless me. But what are you doing with what God's already blessed you with? Uh, I kind of picture it like this. You know, I'm a, I'm a dad. I'm a grandfather. But if my daughters came to me and said, Dad, would you bless me with $100? And I go, yeah, man, that would be great. Not that I'm going to do that, but uh, that would be great. And they went out and bought drugs with her. They just squandered away. And the next week they came and said, Hey, Dad, give me 200 Do you think I would do that? Well, listen, if, listen, you wouldn't do it either. You wouldn't bless people with, if they're not going to be good stewards of what you bless them with. If you're not being a good steward of what you've already got, why would God want to bless you with more? If you're robbing God, you're not tithing, you're not walking in obedience to God, and you're going, God, we need some more money to pay our bills. Why would God bless you with that? Because you're not a good steward of what you've already got. And God wouldn't be a good father if he didn't discipline you with that. And you know, my, my mama told me a long time ago, she said, boy, listen to me. Don't you get so high and mighty that God has to clip your wings? Because guys, how many of you understand it's, not, it's, it's a slippery slope from the mountaintop to the valley. And the Bible says if you don't know how to handle this, you'll be beaten with many stripes. You know what? I believe that God knows how to discipline. God knows how to, God knows how to take us from here to here. And you've got to realize that you've got to be a good steward of your life and your blessing. When, when God blesses you, be a good steward of the blessing. Don't waste the blessing. Can I get an Amen. Romans chapter 14 and verse number 12 says, So every one of us, every one of us, what's going to happen, guys? We're going to give an account of ourselves to God. All right, we're, we're going to, we're one, listen, you're not living for time. You're living for eternity. One day you're going to stand before God and you're going to give an account of your whole life. And if you've just wasted it, and the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We know that's a mandate for the believer. And the Bible says that we're going to give an account for those things that we've done where? In our body. What does that mean? You're going to give an account of what you did while you were alive on this earth. And the Bible says that you're going to give an account whether it be good or bad. Can you imagine that? One day you're going to stand before God and he's going to say, you know what, I blessed you with your life. What did you do with it? I showed you blessings on your life. Why did you squander that? Folks, you're living for eternity, not for time, and you're going to stand before God one day, and you're going to give an account of the life he's blessed you with. Can I get an amen? amen. So, so we realize then that, that we've got to be a good steward of our life and our blessings, man. If you've got a little blessing, be a good steward of your little blessing. If you've got a big blessing, be a good steward of your big blessing. Whatever it is, be a good steward of it. Give God the honor for that. Can I get an amen? 
You've got to be thankful. You ought to be thankful when you got up this morning and said, God, you've given me another day and I'm going to be a good steward of this life and I'm going to be a good steward of the blessing. It's important to do that. Guys, my wife and I do it all the time. You know, we don't count it, a, we don't count it like a burden to tithe. We, we know, man, we come together and we pray and we go, God, this is your money. It's not ours. And we get the privilege of, of, of giving a, the first 10% to you, God. And, and what an honor that is. And we teach our kids that. And, and man, because of that, we believe that our life has been blessed. Can I get an amen? amen. But if you want to keep it to yourself and you don't, you don't know how to manage your blessings, then you're going to mess up your, your mountaintop. Can I get an amen? Secondly, listen to this. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. Man, when you're on the mountaintop, don't you think more highly of yourself than you should? You, you know, you, if you're not careful, your, your head will blow up with an ego. And you'll think you all that. Do y'all know I know people that can strut sitting down? They just know how to do that. Yeah, man, they just, you know, they got an ego that's so big. And you go, oh, my gosh, you, you think you're all that. Let me tell you something. Look at your neighbor and say, you ain't all that. Go and tell them that. You ain't all that. You know, don't, don't think when God blesses you and God puts you on the mountaintop, don't you get that spirit that you that, that you better than everybody else? Because you're not. You know, it don't take long for the rug gets jerked out from under you. It don't take long to get back in the valley. Can I get an amen? amen? Don't you think that you've arrived just because you're being blessed? Don't you think that you've arrived because you've got a lot of money? Don't you think that you're all that because you're prospering? Because I'm going to tell you, God knows how to change that just like that. Can I get an amen? How many of you realize this? One phone call will change everything. One day will change everything. The book of Romans 12, 3 says these words, For I say through the grace given unto me that every man that is among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. We have to remind ourselves of that when we're on the mountain. When, we're, when things are going our way, we have to remind ourselves, man, you know what, I, I don't need to get, get high-minded about this. I, I need to think soberly according as God has dealt every, every man the measure of faith, man. i got to remember that, that I'm in the season of blessing, but guys, it can change like that. My whole world can unravel before I know it. And I have to remind myself, you know what? I, don't, I'm not, I can't think more highly of myself than I ought to because arrogancy and pride will surely cause you to fail. And we have to realize that we don't need to do that when we're being blessed. So easy to fall in that trap. Thinking you're smarter than everybody. Thinking you're better than everybody. Thinking everybody else is an idiot. Thinking that you've got it all figured out, but nobody else does. I'm going to tell you, my friend, that's a trap from the devil. He'll cause you to swell up with pride and arrogancy. And when you're on the mountaintop, don't you think more highly of yourself than you ought to? I've been in business a long time. I've dealt with people that have all kind of money. And I've realized, you know what, a lot of those people, uh, their ship will crash if they're not careful. And everything about you can mess up just like that. Don't you think you're better than everybody else when you're on that mountaintop? Don't you think more highly of yourself than you should? And then thirdly, very important, don't be critical of people in the valley. You know, when you're on the mountaintop, it's easy to point at everybody else and say, well, you know, this or this about them. You don't need to talk about folks that's going through a hard time. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know what they're going through. My mama used to tell me, son, don't let you ever judge a man until you walked a mile in his shoes. 
Because you don't know what they're battling with. You don't know what they're struggling with. And I think you all ought to know this, that my mama taught me, my daddy taught me, if you ain't got nothing good to say about somebody, come on, help me, y'all. Don't say it at all. You see, when you're on the mountaintop, if you're not careful, you'll be critical of people that's struggling. You'll be critical of those that are having a hard time. And you'll get that judgmental spirit that says, oh, you know what, if I was them, I'd do this and that. Let me tell you something, friend. Don't you ever say that because you don't know what's going to happen to you tomorrow. You don't know where you'll be next week. You don't know what you're going, going to be going through. It's only by the grace of God I'm not in the gutter myself. It's only by the grace of God that he's helped me through. Without the grace of God, I wouldn't be any different than anybody in the valley. Folks, you've got to realize that when you're on the mountaintop, when your things are going good for you, when life is good and you've got all the resources, don't you be critical of those that's not there. Don't you, be, don't you be judgmental of those people because the Bible says in the book of Galatians chapter 6, he says, brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, a lot of times we get in the valley because we've sinned or we've disobeyed God. I bet you've been guilty of that too. I bet some of you in here that's on the mountaintop, you've done things that were wrong. You know what the difference is? You just ain't got caught yet. The fact of the matter is we're all guilty. Can I get an Amen. The Bible says if a man's be overtaken in a fault, this is the way the church does a lot of time. When we find people that are in the valley, we start talking about them. And we begin, to, we begin to keep those that are down. But the Bible says that if a man be overtaken in a fault, those of you which are spiritual, you are to restore that man or that person in a spirit of meekness, considering yourself lest you also fall too. Or lest you get in the same mess they're in. And the key word of that is spiritual. I've learned in my life, everybody's got an opinion of everybody. Everybody judges people. And you know what I've learned in my life? There's a lot of people that want to give me advice and tell me what we ought to do and all that stuff. Let me tell you something. Look at me. I ain't interested in all those recommendations that doesn't have a spiritual element to it. Because I've learned that your opinions without spiritual regulations will sooner or later spoil everything. And everybody's got an opinion about things. But if that opinion is not regulated by spiritual principles, my friend, that ain't nothing but the flesh itself. Now, it may work a little bit, but before long, it'll spoil, it'll spoil itself. And what I've learned that when you're on the mountain, if you're not careful, you'll point at everybody in the valley, and you'll say, you know what? I'm better than they are. They shouldn't be down there in that valley. They shouldn't be going through that stuff. They ought to do this and they ought to do that. Oh, my friend, listen to Brother Jackie. You better be careful what you say. Because the Bible says in the next verse there, Wherefore, let him that thinks he stand take heed, lest he also fall. Look at me, friend. It don't take long for your ship to wreck. It don't take long for you to slide in the valley. It don't take long for life to turn upside down for you. You've got to realize, you've got to take heed. You've got to take heed lest you fall. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. Keep everything. The next thing is so important. Keep everything in its proper perspective. If you're going to live your life and you're going to be able to be content on the mountain and in the valley, keep everything in its proper perspective. You know, I've learned in life something of so importance. I, knew, I know a man that he's a millionaire, he's got money. I'm not going to tell you who he was because some of y'all want to borrow money from him. But I know him and, and I was at his place and he's got this beautiful place and he's got all kind of things and 
I was at his house, and he was showing me around. He, Brother Jack, I want to show you this, and I want to show you that. And we was walking around. We got all the way to the back of his property back there, and there was an old, wretched-looking house, just an old beat-up shack. And he's got all this other stuff around his property, but on the back, he's got this old beat-up shack. And I just listened to him, you know, and we hung out there for a while. Man, he's got, he's got antique cars and stuff and things and money, and he, he don't like for money. And we was walking around, and everything's so gorgeous and pretty, and there's that old ugly shack. And we walked up that old shack, and he was telling me, this is, this is a shack. And we walked in, and the old shack just had old, old, old furniture in it and stuff and things. And I, I finally said, why is this here? And he said something to me I'll never forget. He said, well, I built this old shack on my property to remind me of where I came from. So that every time I get to thinking more highly of myself, I just go back to this old shack and I sit on the porch and I remind myself, you know what? When I was a boy, we didn't have nothing. We didn't even have any kind of electricity. We didn't have no running water. Most of the time, we didn't have no food to eat. There was my mom and my daddy and we had all kind of kids. Didn't know where our next meal was going to come from. Didn't have a dime. We was poor. Everybody looked down on us. And he said, eh, God has blessed my business. And God's been good to me. But he said, I find myself sometime forgetting where I came from. And when I start forgetting where I come from, came from, I go back to that old shack. And I sit down and I remind myself, boy, you don't deserve how blessed you are. It's only by the grace of God that you've been blessed. Don't you get, don't you think more highly of yourself than you ought to? My friend, let me tell you something. Every time you get blessed to the Lord, you need to go back and remember where you came from. Because what you have now is not what you've always had. Where you've been now is not where you've always been. Can I get an amen? You, the, that, the mountaintop you're on, you ain't always been on that mountaintop. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Every day, I've learned something. I hate wearing glasses. I can't stand it. If you'd have told me when I was in high school, Brother Jack, you're going to wear glasses, I'd have said, well, you crazy. I can't stand glasses. I, can't, I don't like to wear them. Y'all see me now. I'll be preaching to take these things off. You know why I take them off? Because I hate them. You know why I put them on? Because I can't see. <laughs> you know, I've learned in life, when you get old, your eyes change. Can I get an amen? Anybody know what I'm talking about? See, some of y'all, y'all want to, y'all want to, y'all want to, y'all in denial. See, what y'all do is y'all go down there and buy them old drugstore glasses and try to act like you don't have to have them until you start to read. And then you put them drugstore glasses on so you can see. I know who you are. I watch y'all every Sunday. But here's the deal, guys. I do something with my glasses that's radically changed my life. You want to know what it is? Every morning when I get up, I go over there to my dresser because I need to see that day, and I get my glasses. And before I put them on, God has taught me something. Son, when you get up in the morning, you go to put them glasses on. I know you hate them, but I'm going to teach you a spiritual lesson with them. When you put them glasses on, put on the lens of eternity. Don't just look at it through a temporary lens. You put your glasses on and remind yourself of something. Life is bigger than what you see. You've got to put the lens of eternity on every day of your life and live your life like you're living for eternity. 
And every day when I put my glasses on, I stop and I say, Lord, help me to live my life today with eternity in mind. Help me get up today and live my life like I'm going to meet you one day. Help me not to put all my eggs in this temporary basket. But God, help me see people through the eyes of eternity. Help me look at people differently than what I look at them if I'm just looking at them from the natural lens. So God, you teach me to shut my mouth, to make sure, God, that I'm seeing things the way you see them. Because God, I'm reminded of myself. It don't take long for, me, for the journey to start from the mountaintop to the valley. Something could happen to me today that would change my whole life. God, help me to live my life like I'm living for you. And I believe if you'll do that, it'll change your perspective. Can I get an amen? amen? Now, the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, but godliness with content is great gain. The Bible goes on and says, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is possible that we'll bring nothing out. See, some of y'all so lazy you didn't catch that. I said, we brought nothing in this world, and it's possible that we'll carry nothing out. Is that what the Bible says? The Bible says we brought nothing in this world and it is certain we're going to carry nothing out. You say, Brother Jack, I don't believe this. I don't believe that. Well, I give you a challenge. Try dying. When you die, you ain't going to take nothing with you. All that stuff and all them things and all that garbage, you ain't going to take nothing with you. That's why I love to meet people that have a different view of life. They're not hoarding all their stuff for their own selves. They're investing in kingdom work. That's why I'm so impressed with David Green. That, that David Green is saying, you know what? It's not about how much stuff I can get. I'm going to take money and put it in ministry, changing the world. And David Green said this, every time I give it away to the kingdom, God blesses me with more than I've ever had in my life. How many of y'all realize this? You can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. There's a lot of people that want to give and hold on to it you got to give and release it, trusting God with what you're doing. The Bible says, Wilt thou set thy eyes on that which is not? For riches will certainly make themselves wings, and they'll fly away like an eagle toward heaven. You know what that means? Your money is going to go away from you. Your things are going to go away from you. They're going to fly away. You're not going to be able to hold on to it. You're not going to be able to keep it. And for people that live for this world only, they're messing it up. They don't understand the principle of life and eternity. So if you're going to be content on the mountain, you've got to realize that you have to live your life this way. Now look at the next thing. It's so important. Stay humble. Can I get an amen? You ain't all that. You ain't all that. You've got to stay humble. You know, Tim McGraw's got that song. Y'all know what it is? Stay humble and kind. Man, I believe there's great theology in that. I believe that we all could learn a little bit more of how to be humble. How not to, how not to think we're all that. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse number 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. How many of you realize that's not Brother Jackie's words? That's God's words. And sometimes we, have, we get to flying so high that God has to clip the wings. The Bible says that if you're prideful, you're on the slippery slope to destruction. And when you have an arrogant spirit, 
It's right before a fall. You, you're setting yourself up for failure. Now, you may make it a year or two. It may be good for a season. But man, if you let this get in you and you get the wrong spirit, trust me, God knows how to humble you. God knows how to humble you. Then I want you to look at the next verse. It says, God gives grace. God gives grace. God gives grace. But listen, he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Can you imagine that, that God would say to you, I'm going to resist you? In other words, I don't want no part of you. Why? Because you're a brat. Because you've got this pride about you. Because you've got a spirit about you that even God himself don't like. The Bible says that God will resist you. Can you imagine God saying that about you? I don't want to hang out with them. Why? Because they think they're better than I am. They, they've got a spirit of arrogancy about them that God himself says I'm going to resist. But God says if you're humble, if you walk in humility, and you humble yourself before the Lord, you don't have to strut your stuff. You don't have to prove yourself. You don't have to make everybody think you're all that. Listen, God knows how to promote you. You don't have to promote yourself. But look, God gives grace to the humble. Can I get an amen? Then I want you to notice the next thing. Don't take for granted the things you've been blessed with. Don't take for granted the things you've been blessed with. Can I get an amen? Don't take the blessings for granted. The Bible, the great God of Israel, told the children of Israel under the leadership of Moses in chapter 6 of Deuteronomy, he said, now these are the commandments of the statues and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you will do them in the land whether you go to possess it, that thou mayest fear the Lord thy God to keep all of his statues, to keep all of his commandments, which I command you and your son and your son's son. That is, you've been blessed. You're supposed to talk to your kids about the blessings and your grandkids about the blessings. And you're to do that all the days of your life. And all your days may be prolonged. Hear there, O Israel, and observe to do it that it may be well with you that you may increase in the land mightily as the Lord God your fathers has promised you. In the land that flows with milk and honey, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God, and you will love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your strength, and with all of your might. And these words which I have commanded you on this day shall be in thine heart and thou shalt teach them diligently unto your children, and we will talk of them along the way. And when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up, thou shalt bind them upon a sign of thine hand, and you shall wear them as a frontlet between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of your house and on the gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought you into the land which he swear unto you by your fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, then the Bible says, I'm going to give you great and goodly cities which you did not build. I'm going to bless you with wells you did not dig. And I'm going to give you houses and olive trees and vineyards which you did not plant. And when you have eaten in your full, then beware. Lest you, come on now, forget the Lord which brought you out of Egypt into this land from the house of bondage. You know, that's what a lot of people do. When they're being blessed, they forget God. They forget God. 
God said, you didn't dig the wells, you didn't build the houses, you didn't do this, but you were blessed with it. And you know what God is saying? You've taken me for granted. You have forgotten the blessing. And what you ought to do is learn to pay it forward. When you're blessed, pay it forward. Don't hold on to it. Now, I don't think you ought to waste your blessings, but you ought to pay it forward. You ought to pay it forward. You see, a lot of you don't understand this. A lot of you have never been taught this, and you get mad when somebody teach, teaches you this. You know, when you look at where you're sitting today, you're sitting in a wonderful, wonderful, beautiful sanctuary that somebody before you sacrificed so you could be here. People today say, well, I'm not going to give my money to the church. I'm not going to invest in the building program. I'm not going to give my hard-earned money for them to build stuff there. But yet you have the audacity to come and sit in a building that somebody sacrificed so you could be here. You see, you've got to understand something. We had a saying when we first began our process of developing the campus that we would, we would be the type of people that would plant a tree that we may not ever sit under. You see, we've got to realize that there's little boys and little girls coming behind us. And wouldn't it be awful for us to say, you know what, we're not going to make an investment. We're, not going, to, we're going to be stingy and greedy. We ain't giving nothing. And by the way, when you give it, take your hands off of it. See, you don't own the gift. When you give something to the Lord, He owns it. You're not there to regulate it and manage it. But God has in, 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 in himself has endorsed that leadership to help that. You see, you've got to realize that you don't live just for yourself. You live for somebody else. And if you're not willing to pay it forward, make the investment. Do something that's, that's bigger than yourself. And because men and women and boys and girls did what they did here for us. Hundreds and thousands of souls have been won to the kingdom of God because somebody paid it forward. Can I get an amen? And you know where those people are today? They're in heaven. And you're sitting in the building they built. They sacrificed. They gave. They said it's bigger than me. It's not about me. It's about something that's coming. Folks, you've got to learn to pay it forward when you're being blessed. And then finally, look at this. Not Genesis chapter 12 and verse number 2. Let's go back to that scripture. It says, I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, God said to Abraham. And I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. See, I believe that what God does is he blesses you, and you're a conduit. And what God wants to do is bless you so you can bless others. But most of us say, no, I'm going to be blessed. It's my stuff, my things, my money, my this. Listen, my friend, you don't own anything. God owns it all. And then I want you to notice something else. Don't be greedy. Don't be greedy. You don't need to be greedy. Greedy people are miserable people. Greedy people don't know how to have the joy of the Lord. Greedy people live for themselves and themselves alone, and they die by themselves. Don't be greedy. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, 
He that is greedy of gain troubles his own house. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you something. I've been around a lot of people all my life. I've been around people that have had all kind of money. And I've been around people that's had money that are miserable. They don't, money don't buy happiness. Things don't buy happiness. And the Bible says he that's greedy of gain will trouble his own house. There's people that got money that are, that are not happy in their marriage. They, they have miserable children. They don't know how to have the joy of the Lord. You don't want to live like that. Don't be greedy. It says he that hateth gifts shall live. In other words, he that's living for something bigger than money is going to have life. But if you're just greedy and all you're going to do is just keep it yourself, you're messing things up. Do you understand? Let me look at the next thing quickly. Don't get too big for your britches. Can I get an amen? Everybody say that one out loud. That's worth repeating. Don't get too big for your britches. You ever known anybody too big for their britches? Now, don't look at them. But there's some people that, that rises up and they, they get on the mountaintop and man, they get too big for their britches. Can I tell you this? God knows how to change that. God knows how to change that. I've seen people that have risen up in the blessing and the favor of God that got too big for their britches. And God knows how to chop them down. God knows how to bring them back down to earth. 1 Timothy 6.17 says these words, Charge them that are rich in this world not to be high-minded or to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives richly all things for us to enjoy. I mean, everything comes from God, but when you forget Him and you get too big for your britches, you're setting yourself up for some real trouble coming your way. Don't get too big for your britches. And then finally, whatever you do, don't forget God. Can I get an amen? Don't you forget God. Uh, we find in the book of Deuteronomy these words. Chapter 8, verse number 10. When you've eaten in the full, and you shall bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he has given you, beware lest you forget not the Lord thy God in keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes which... I command you this day, lest when you have eaten and you're full and you have built godly, goodly houses, you got nice houses, you got stuff, your herds and your flocks are multiplied, your business is prospering, and you've got silver and your gold and your money is good, and all that you have is multiplied. And then your heart rises up and you forget God. My friend, he brought you out of bondage, from the house of bondage. Whenever you forget God, you're setting yourself up for trouble in your life. Are you with me? Say amen. Now, before I give you the bottom line, I want you to go back in all 10 of those. We're going to shout them out like y'all got them. Are you ready? Starting with number one, be a good steward of life and its blessings. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. Don't be critical of those in the valley. Keep everything in its proper perspective. Stay humble. Don't take for granted the things you've been blessed with. 
pay it forward. Don't be greedy. Don't get too big for your britches. And don't forget God. Can I get an amen? The bottom line, I saved it for last. Here it is. Bottom line is powerful. Don't ever forget what I'm going to tell you. Because some of you are going, Brother Jack, I don't have to worry about the mountaintop because I'm in the lowest valley I've ever been in my life. I don't have to worry about money because I don't even know how I'm going to pay my house payment. I can't even pay my bills. Brother Jack, you're talking to me about being on the mountain. Listen, my friend, it doesn't matter whether you're on the mountain or in the valley. What I'm about to tell you is true. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you're in the valley, you can make it through because God knows how to get you through. If you're on the mountaintop, you can manage the blessing because God will regulate it for you. But it doesn't matter whether you're on the mountain or in the valley. You can make it because the scripture says, let's say it together, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do y'all believe that today? Can we give God praise for that? He is good. Can I get an amen? God is good. Now, in just a moment, we're going to have an invitation. We're going to invite men and women and boys and girls to come to Christ. Maybe you're here today and you go, Brother Jack, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Well, that can change today. Your life can change from hell to heaven. Your life can change from darkness to light. You can change from who you used to be to who God wants you to be if you'll just come and give him your heart. I wouldn't be a good preacher if I didn't invite men and women and boys and girls to come to Jesus. I wouldn't go listen to me if I didn't do that. It doesn't matter how all the great quotes we give. I would be a failure if I didn't say to you, God can change your life if you'll let him. And everybody that Jesus called in the Bible, he called publicly. Now, I know we've got a lot of churches don't do that no more, but not here. We give an invitation every service. We invite men and women and boys and girls to come to Christ. You may come here today and go, Brother Jack, what you talked about, I don't care nothing about all that. I'm falling apart and I need Christ. Well, I want to give you that chance today. Jesus can change your life. Can I get an amen? You may be here and you're looking for a church home. Why, if I wasn't the member here, I'd join today myself. I'd, grow, I'd go find my wife and say, hey, let's, let's join today because I'm a firm believer that every Christian needs a church home. You need somewhere to anchor your family, somewhere where you can get involved, somewhere where you can help and support. We'd love for you to call Eden Westside your home. So in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to stand and ministers are going to come down here and they're going to meet you. And they're going to pray with you whatever your need may be.